This is the Iconic Wealth Women podcast with me, Kylie Anderson, empowering visionary female entrepreneurs from around the globe to develop their business and wealth strategies so they grow their income, make more impact and influence others along the way. Let's build your legacy and make a difference today. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to the Iconic Wealth of Women podcast show. And today I want to talk to you all about how to price your coaching program. So it's one of the most common questions that I get asked is how do I literally create a package? How do I price it? And it can really be a limitless answer. Um, and why is that? Well, if you think about the coaching industry, you know, you have coaches that charge as little as 50 quid a session and you have other coaches charging 50,000 for a day just to work with them. So pricing can also be a really personal experience um, because people hold a lot of strong values around pricing, whether they're wanting to work maybe a bit more accessible with their audience. Um, maybe they want to help a few people that need it, while others chose to be more exclusive and a little bit higher ticket. Um, but I will say, in my experience, it takes just as much energy to sell a $5,000 product as it does to sell a $500 product, especially if you get the foundations right. So, so let me take you back to my estate agents days when I was an estate agent. I used to run a really um, successful estate agency in London. I was a sales director, uh, sales manager for over six years, um, and I ran my own branch there. And um, I always found that um, whether we sold a $200 house or a million dollar house, um, there was different intricacies in it. And which one do you think is the easiest to sell? Well, the easiest to sell was actually the higher ticket houses, the million dollar houses. Why? Because the buyers generally were a bit more specific. Um, they made decisions faster. They were busy. They knew what they wanted. Um, they were less detached around the money. Um, you know, for them, it was a transaction. They were more interested in the house. They followed through on the transaction. They didn't get as cold feet as what obviously um, quite often first time buyers did. So the conversation was different around um, as well, because the thing you've got to remember is obviously the buyers are a bit more scarce. It took a different marketing strategy to attract them in. You have to have a different level of conversation with them. Um, it takes more time to do a little bit more prep and a bit of nurturing to make sure you find the right property for them. So um, when you're co practicing and um, positioning your coaching programs, you need to think about the same things. And especially when you're looking at pricing around your program. So what do I mean? Well, Let's go through some of the foundations in relation to pricing. So step one, these are kind of, I guess, some of the core foundations that I talk about that you should really ideally take in to account when you're thinking about your pricing, when you're looking at your options and where you want your business to go. So the first area is obviously around experience and results. This is your foundation of your business. So this is based around your own expertise, your track record, what you've done in the past, um, and what sort of results you can get for your clients. So um, when you think about it, why does someone hire a coach or a service-based entrepreneur? And that's normally because they want to solve a particular problem. So, um, you know, they want you to get them there quicker. They ideally want to get an end result that ideally can save them both time and money. Um, so take me, for example, I've created my first millionaire six months ago. I've also helped other clients to create six-figure businesses, um, do their first 10K or get their first high-ticket sale. So do you think it's fair for me to charge 5K? 
maybe even 10k even 20k for my service because they can likely get at least five times return so when i can help you create a system and a process that you can create the income over and over again so i can easily justify those price points and gain return on my investment for my high ticket clients so your pricing needs to take into account how much the end result is worth to your client so for example how much is it worth for them to find a new relationship maybe to take control of their finances to create a brand that gets a notice and stands out from the crowd how much is that worth to the client in their end result um, and t- obviously tangible benefits like you know getting five clients or um, you know going to an industry leader in something is obviously much easier to sometimes diagnose than what obviously it is to how do you put a value on feeling more confident um, how do you put a value on, um, you know, stepping out and understanding yourself, those sorts of things. But there's still a return on investment. So you've got to look at the return on investment. And I'm going to talk more about then also looking at what's it costing them not to actually solve that problem. So the first thing is your own experience and results. What are your, What is your track record? How much experience do you have? How much have you spent on your education and experience as well? Um, one of the exercises I like to do if people are struggling with their own value is to grab a blank piece of paper and write down all the money you've spent on getting to where you are today, whether that's on education, whether that's in job roles, whether that's in um, paying for coaches and learning and education. How much have you spent to get to where you want to go so that you can fast track it for someone else? So positioning the marketplace, that's a second area. So this is explaining how you're perceived as a high-end service or a more accessible option influencing prices. So take, let's take um, Gucci and kind of, I guess, fast fashion, if we'll call it. So basically mainstream fashion. So in the world of fashion, obviously Gucci stands out as a symbol of luxury, of elegance, of exclusivity. It's renowned for its opulent designs, impeccable craftsmanship. Um, it's got a legacy. It's steeped in prestige. It's, it's it embodies basically this lifestyle of sophistication, um, and it's the Gucci experience. So when you step into a Gucci boutique, you know it's a sanctuary of luxury. You you've got the attention. You've got the service. It's personalised. It speaks volume. Um, you know the ambience of the whole um, the the boutiques, the shops is you know it's heritage. It's timeless. It's um, how else would you describe it? It's got the finest materials in it. It's meticulously presented. Um, so Gucci's positioning in the marketplace revolves around more than just its products. It's about offering that experience. And when you're dealing with luxury and high-end, experience is one of the most important things that you need to create. So that positions Gucci as a premium service. You know, it's about these prestigious lifestyle. It's not just about the product. Whereas you contrast that with fast fashion or mainstream fashion, um, it, you know, you think about it, it's the brands focus on affordability. They focus on trends and accessibility. Um, these brands, while not bearing the same price tags, you know, cater to a much wider audience. So their positioning revolves around making more sales, um, hitting the masses, offering trendy designs at, at more affordable prices. So the fast fashion brands generally don't have the same experience. You know, you walk into shop, it might be nice, but it doesn't have the same customer service level. 
and you know you go into a H&M compared to a Gucci you go into a Primark you know it's like very 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 different in relation to the to the style the service you get when you enter the shop the experience of it all um, and they leverage their position obviously being more accessible being more um, individual to engage they get more mainstream people in there so they're going more for the mass numbers so Gucci fo- follows on from exclusivity while fast fashion brands aim for this um, affordability trendiness they maintain lower pro- process prices to cater for their larger audience So their approaches to positioning varies different. So you need to think about the same. You know, what are you in relation to your business? Now, obviously, a lot of clients work with me. I encourage them to become a little bit more exclusive so that they're more in demand. Um, One of my sayings is always you want to become the heart surgeon rather than general overworked doctor. You know, you've got to have some sort of exclusivity around working with you. What makes you different? What makes you unique? What makes your experiences different? Um, and you also need to take into account your customers, obviously, and their affordability. So I worked with a client um, in Europe once that was um, trying to help with new, inve- um, what's the word, new inventions. That was the word I was looking for. Um, you know, trying to help with new inventions, trying to get new startups out there. Um, but majority of their market was from India. And I said to them, you, you know, you're trying to part- charge high ticket prices in an environment where their salaries just don't allow for it. And they're in startup mode. So you've got to make sure still that your customers and their affordability fit. So, you know, for example, single mums don't necessarily have the same budget as a CEO does. So who are you targeting? And if you're looking for a higher ticket offer, maybe you have to shift your target market slightly. doesn't mean you still can't impact the other people. It just might mean that for a particular level of service in your business, you've got to hit the market that can afford you. So that's the second area. So the second area is positioning in the marketplace. The third area is a time investment. So you've got to think about how much time you are dedicating to your client. How much interaction do they get from you? How much um, program delivery is there? How much will that affect your price? The more of your time involved, the more pricey the program ideally should be um, because you are your most experienced asset and time is your most valuable asset. So that's kind of some of the foundations you want to put into place when you're thinking about your pricing. So you're thinking about your experience and your results. You're thinking about your positioning in the marketplace. You know, do you want to be an Asda or Waitrose? Do you want to, um, how much time are you going to put into the energy of this program? So like my done for you service is a lot more expensive than my online course because I'm in it. I'm there with them. I'm along that journey with their business. So you're going to think about your time investment. Step two is the value in the problem you're solving. And we touched on this a bit earlier. When you're creating some sort of high ticket or group coaching program, it's normally to solve, like I said, a particular problem for your client. So when you're pricing your program, you also want to look at the client's perspective around the price of the problem you solve. So consider things like, is there an offset or a direct cost to the problem you solve? So for example, I can help you create more income and get a better return on investment in under 12 weeks. So I'm paid for that. Um, very easily I can justify my prices and they have a system like I said to continue to grow so there's a direct return associated with my service so are you saving your clients time money stress and so on so if my customer wanted to hire um, you out solving this problem as a one-to-one service how much would it cost them to do so 
What does it cost my customer to not solve the problem? So this is a big one. If they don't solve the problem and they continue on their journey as they are now without solving this problem that you solve in the marketplace, how much time, money, frustration, stress, and maybe even do they get sicker? Are they going to lose family? Like what's the bigger outcome of them not solving this problem? And sometimes that can be the linchpin when you're in a conversation, in a sales conversation. So, you know, if you're talking to someone and they're sitting on the fence or they're not quite sure, get them into this conversation. Well, you know, what's it costing you not to do it? What's it costing you not to solve the problem? Because if you can get people into that realm, then actually their investment now doesn't seem so much. So, um, you know, what happens to your customer's future if they continue to deal with the problem? Does it get worse? What happens next? Um, you know, if they're having relationships problems, are they going to go through a messy divorce? Are they going to, um, you know, go out on stress? Are they going to have downtime from their job and their career? Like what's it costing them not to do it? Um, and how much does your customer save by solving this problem? So that's another good one. How much do they save in relation to time, energy, money? So is your program... Um, in also in one of the most pro profitable niches. So there are really profitable niches that people will pay for over and over again. And I say this at the moment because it's really important at the moment when you've got a, a terminalist marketplace where people are uncertain, a bit unsure about things, they will generally go towards the main niches. So it's health, wealth and relationships are the biggest three. So if you can attach your service to one of those outcomes, so for example, if I'm a law of attraction coach, great, but what do I attract? Am I looking at more wealth? Am I looking at bringing in the ideal relationship? So if you can attach it to one, generally your service will grow much faster. And then the, the last one is certification. So that allows for higher pricing as well, allows for credibility, um, and it um, they'll pay more for it. So again, they're the four kind of core outcomes for it. And then lastly, is it a burning boat type problem? So especially in a difficult market, so you have to change your language up. So I was talking to someone the other day around um, brand photography, for example. And I said, well, brand photography is a nice to have sometimes. Yes, we all need it in our business. Um, is it a burning boat? No, probably not. I've had bad, um, you know, website design and I've still got clients. But when does it become a burning boat problem? What's that turning point that you can't? So at the moment, we're at a bit of a turning point with that because the market's getting busier. It's getting more competitive. Um, you know, people are upping their game around marketing. So if you don't do the same, then you're actually not going to be here in 12 months time, I don't think. So it's starting to become a burning boat problem. So because people are being careful where they spend money, they're watching who they're spending money with. So you need to then turn your messaging into that burning boat problem. So there's some of the considerations to take into account when you're setting your pricing for your program as well. So that's step two. That's all around the value in the problem you're solving. Step three is obviously market research. Now, again, I don't like to compare myself too much with what other people are doing, but I'm aware of what other people are doing. And I think it's really important to be aware of what's going on in your industry, what's happening in the landscape of your marketplace. Doesn't mean you have to match them. It doesn't have to mean you have to become them. Because again, like we say, you know, there's coaches out there doing 50 quid a session and there's coaches out there doing 50 grand. You don't have to match someone, but being aware of some of your top competitors is good. So do some Google researching, search for other courses around what you do um, look at do they have coaching programs do they have done for your services what do your clients 
Um, generally, what are they paying for? Listen to what your clients have paid for. Um, you know, start to look at some of the language some of your competitors are using. What are the pain points they're picking up? You know, what are they? Um, what are their desires? What are they shifting in their marketing message? So do some research. You should know who your top two to three competitors are. Um, and like Richard Branson said, always says, you know, he's one of the most prolific entrepreneurs that talks about this. He said, taking an existing service and making it better, putting your own spin on it, not reinventing the wheel. So what can you do in a much better way, in a different way? So what is unique to you? Even if you're the same as someone else in relation to what they do, what's your edge? You know, what's that spin that you do that no one else does? So that's the type of market research I like to do. It's not necessarily just about pricing to match your programs. Like I said, um, you're not there to compete. You're there to get some amazing results for your own clients in your own way. But you need to be aware of what's going on in your competition. And more importantly, it gives you an edge to think about how can you stand out from the crowd? How can your experience be different? How are you clearly setting your own USP? And maybe watching some of the trends where things are changing changing. So that's step number three is market research. And the last step, number four, is price it. So now you've got all this information, you need to put a price on it. And the biggest thing that is good for me is what feels right for you. You know, what are you happy getting paid for your service or your outcome? Like at the moment, I get clients tell me all the time I could charge 20 to 30 grand for what I do. Um, and that's great, but I don't want to charge that at the moment. I'm comfortable with what I'm charging. I like what I do. I get my clients great results. Um, so I don't feel the need to do that just yet. Will I put my prices up? Yes, and I have done this year. So again, are you happy getting paid for the service and the outcome that you provide? Um, also, for whatever reason, we know that sales psychology, you know, there's ins and outs around um, numbers. We know that seven and nine tend to be quite good. You see a lot of coaching programs at 2997 or 4995. That's just psychology. People think they're getting a discount. Um, and again, for high ticket programs, you want to think about how you're going to create this FOMO, this intrinsic value of your product or service. How can you sell the vision? So why do Apple sell their products so well? They sell the vision, the feeling, the belonging, the missing out if you're not getting it. Um, Lady Gaga did an epic advert for um, Bollinger. You know, they didn't even mention the product. It was about the experience, the brand, the feel. So think about perfume brands, I think, do this exceptionally well. They're always creating that experience. They're creating the feeling you want to have. They're not actually selling the product. Um, Frank Kern used to use this as one of my prime examples for a long time. I've used this where, um, you know, you compare the BMW to the Rolls Royce. You know, the BMW is owned by the same company, but there's a different experience, um, you know, and it's fueled by this buying frenzy of intrinsic value. So that's the practical stuff. So that's the thing that you buy a car because it gets you from A to B. You know, it's got a boot. It has four seats. It um, you know, drive, whatever. So your intrinsic value is what the thing does. So BMW will get you from point A to point B, um, you know, from rain to heat to cool, exactly, exactly the same as what a Rolls Royce does. Um, but it's the intrinsic value. So the intrinsic values are the stuff that makes you stand out from the crowd. So this is, you know, Rolls Royce ghost gets you from point to B, but keeps you sheltered, but it looks really cool. It creates FOMO. It gets you noticed. Um, you know, and it costs 300% more than a BMW does. Um, and they do the same thing. It's a car. In the end, it's a car. Um, but And you could argue that these cars are identical, especially because they're owned by the same company. So why do people clamber to pay 300% more? 
because it's all about the intrinsic value. It all starts because of the opportunity to buy from you. Um, it all starts with, sorry, the opportunity to buy something really exclusive, something different. Um, and again, it has to be about you. So um, they need to see these practical things in your products and services. Of course they do. But like I said, it's the intrinsic things that create the uniqueness. It's about the platform. It's about your exciting, your brand, your positioning, the way you deliver your personal story, your experiences, your personal energy. Like a lot of people say to me, I love working with you because of your energy. Yeah, it's about the experience you give them and the feeling you give them, the exclusivity. Um, it's about the Gucci experience, if you're going to sum it up. So um, that's something to really, really consider at step four is then go to price it. Um, and then let's talk about step five, which is just other things to consider when pricing. So your offer stack, what else is going to be included in the program? So and be careful of these. So I often see when people, especially if they're starting to charge a bit higher ticket, a lots of people do what I call a brain dump of everything. They feel like they have to chuck the kitchen sink into their offer. You don't. The key to a good offer and a good program and a few extra bonuses is that they complement the journey. They don't overwhelm people. So, for example, I could do, um, obviously, my program is about launching. I could, if I wanted to, add a traffic experience on it because I know that actually if we get them a bit more traffic and a few more numbers, um, then it makes their service even better and it means their launch will go better. So it's a complementary bonus. Um, I often do mindset in mind because I don't really teach a lot of mindset. So in my, I have a mindset specialist that comes in because I know they'll get stuck. They'll get stuck on some blocks. So what's a complementary bonus that's really going to add value? So don't overwhelm them. Don't chuck the whole kitchen sink in remember again why does someone pay for a coach or a consultant to get them there faster to eliminate some of the other stuff it's like you know here's a process here's a path to get you where you need to go they can still tailor it. it's not a cookie cutter approach but it helps them eliminate some of the things that they don't necessarily have to do and save them time and money so that's the first one is your offer stack. The second one is payment in full and pay um, payment plans. So again, I don't necessarily penalise people for paying in instalments. I rather incentivize people to pay in full. So um, I don't believe that if I'm going to offer a payment plan to someone, they should pay the same amount for the course that someone else is. Whether they do it in payment plan, that's their choice. Some people add on that. In the UK, be careful because you're not allowed to do that. You're allowed to have discount for paying in full, but you're not allowed to penalize people for paying in payment plans so think about how can you add extra value so is there an extra bonus for paying in full so like quite often with me there's normally a vip day or some sort of vip time with me so think about how can you incentivize someone to pay in full um, and that could be a discount so you see a lot with memberships where they'll do um you know pay pay the membership in full and you get two months free so something like that where it's an incentive um, but you're not actually penalising someone else for, for paying. So payment plans is really, really important. And then remember, this is the, the key thing, is acquiring a new customer can obviously cost you five times more than retaining your existing customer. So increasing customer retention by 5% can affect your profits from 25 to 95%, depending on what you do. So the success rate of selling to a customer you've already bought is 60 to 70%. That's why, like, we joke about having upsells and, and you know, you go into McDonald's and there's always, do you want a fries with that? Do you want large? But it works. It's 60 to 70% more likely that someone will pay once they've taken their 
um, card out and already bought from you. So the success rate of selling to a new customer, though, is quite often for cold list is only one to three percent. And from a warm list, it's about five to 15 percent. So, again, um, think about retention. Think about how you're keeping people in. What's their next journey with you? So um, I lost a lot of money on the table when I first started um, selling my group program because I didn't have anything after the group program. I didn't have a mastermind or a membership or anything like that. So um, now I do. Now I have my membership, pro- my mastermind program, which is a continually to scale program. So what are you doing to continue that journey with you? So think about your full customer journey. It's not just about the program you're selling. What happens to them next? So now you've got the pricing right, you're out there, but how can they continue to work with you? So I'm curious, what's been your experience around pricing in the past? Um, What's been the biggest problem you face around pricing? I want you to share with me in any comments, wherever you're watching this, whether you're watching on the podcast, whether you're watching on video, whether you're reading this in, in my email, what's your experience around pricing? So what have you seen before? What have you noticed before? Um, you know, have you put your prices up and has that made a difference, not made a difference to your clients? Um, I see that quite often. People go, oh, I'm so nervous about putting my prices up and actually I've sold more or my clients love me and they've all stayed. So quite often it's you that holds yourself back on putting your prices up. Um, and like I said, don't forget to subscribe to the show. These are the short insights into growing and scaling your business um, for long term wealth. And then we have obviously have incredible wealth interviews with different women doing amazing things. Um, and if you know someone that would value from this podcast, drop them a quick recommendation, share it out. Um, we really appreciate a review because reviews help us to grow. And we want as many women as we can sharing and providing reviews to help us grow, but more importantly, to help you grow your long term wealth. Iconic Wealth is about helping women to grow more legacies, to build their long-term wealth, not just their short-term cash flow. So hopefully you found that valuable. If you're looking at pricing anything, I hope this is giving insights into how I think around pricing. Um, And then go with your gut feeling, go with what feels right to you as well in relation to your own positioning. Because the key thing is if you can't sell it to someone else, they won't buy it. So you've got to feel confidence in your pricing. So hopefully that helps you get started around pricing. And I look forward to seeing on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Iconic Wealth for Women podcast with me, Kylie Anderson, available on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast listening providers. If this episode has been valuable to you, please share it with a friend or leave a review. And don't forget to grab any downloads below.